Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. I had a very terrifying thing happen to me two weeks ago when I was camping in the Appalachian Mountains. Before I get to this story, I need to provide a little background on why I was in the Appalachian Mountains. I'm very into wilderness survival and bushcraft. I have been for the last few years. I've honed my skills and take any chance I get to put them in use in the wild. So when my friend told me he found this great spot in the Appalachian Mountains, I was all for it. I met my friend through a Facebook group about bushcraft and survival. His name is Alex and he's from North Carolina. We hit it off immediately because of our shared interest in the outdoors. We had both been planning to go on this camping trip for weeks and we were both very excited when the day finally arrived. We drove up to the mountains and hiked to our spot. We were in a beautiful clearing with a stream running nearby. We planned to camp for two weeks to practice our bushcrafting skills. The first week went by without any incident. We were having a great time. We were catching fish from the stream to eat. On the morning of the eighth day, my friend got a call from his brother saying that his mother went into the hospital. His brother told him that she wasn't doing well and he needed to come home immediately. I was really worried about my friend and his mom, but I didn't want him to go alone. I offered to go with him, but he refused and told me just to continue on with the trip. That's exactly what I did. I helped my friend pack up his things and I said goodbye. I was now alone in the wilderness, which wasn't new to me because I've done plenty of solo camps before. We were very deep in the backcountry of the Smoky Mountains. We didn't see anyone the entire time we were out here. I was used to the solitude, but this time it felt very different. I can't explain it, but I had this feeling like something bad was going to happen. I tried to shake the feeling, but it just wouldn't go away. I decided to set up my hammock for the night and get some sleep. I was awoken in the middle of the night by this loud crash. It sounded like something large had fallen nearby. I sat up in my hammock and listened carefully, but there was only silence. I strained my eyes in the darkness, but I couldn't see anything. I slowly got out of my hammock and grabbed my flashlight and knife from my pack. I shined the light in the direction of the noise, but I still couldn't see anything. I began to walk towards the noise when I heard it again, but this time it sounded like it was coming from behind me. I turned around and flashed the light in that direction, but there was nothing there. I ran into our survival shelter that we built and just sat there with the door shut. Thank God we made a makeshift door. Now this survival shelter wasn't bear-proof, but it kept me hidden. I sat there for hours just waiting and listening to this thing circle the shelter. I could hear it breathing and it smelled awful. I wanted to gag from the smell of it. I literally sat there for three hours with my knife in hand, ready to defend myself if this thing tried to break into the shelter. It would come and go over that time. I would hear it, then there would be silence. Then I could hear it breathing again. Sometimes it made this grunting noise. It would get close to the shelter, then walk away. It was almost like it was taunting me. I had no idea what this thing was. 
but I knew it wasn't human and it wasn't any animal I've ever smelled before. The sun finally started to come up and through the shelter I could see the silhouette of this thing walking away through the woods. It was massive. It was walking on its hind legs. I waited for a few minutes and then I cautiously stepped out of the shelter. There was no sign of it anywhere. However, it did leave behind this tuft of fur. As you can see in the pictures I sent, there is a patch of fur that was lying on the ground. It's dark brown and it has this reddish tinge to it. It's like a hand-sized clump of fur and it smelled awful. I took two pictures of it and both pictures are attached to this email. I knew this had to be a Sasquatch, so I called the park ranger's office and told them my location. It took them about an hour to get there. It was only one ranger who came, but he collected the hair samples and put them into a plastic bag. He was asking me all kinds of questions, and I ran through what I just said, that this thing was hanging around my campsite all night and smelled awful. I told him that I saw it leaving when the sun came up. After I packed everything up, he hiked back with me to my car. About 200 yards from our campsite, on the way out of there, he found this huge pile of scat. He was very intrigued by it. I've never seen scat like that before. He also collected that and put it in this large plastic bag. He took my information and told me that he would follow up with me when they found out what this was. I haven't heard anything from him yet. I'll let you know when and if I do hear from him. Hi Donovan, I'm not sure if this is the kind of story you would want on your channel, but I decided to share it anyway. This happened at the beginning of summer. It was a couple weeks later when I first saw one of your YouTube videos. It was kind of reassuring to hear stories from others who've experienced something supernatural. I wasn't sure at first what I experienced was really supernatural, and I'm still not exactly sure what it was, but I'll explain it as well as I can. I love hiking and trail running, and I spend a lot of time in the woods. I usually hike with my wife or sometimes a friend, but tend to run alone because I'm usually training for some race. I have a trail marathon coming up soon, so I've been training a lot. It's hot here in the southeast, so in the summer I get up early and usually start my runs at daybreak or before. It was a Monday, so I didn't have a lot of time to get my run in. I had to jump on a Zoom call. I couldn't miss this meeting and wanted to have some time to prep before the meeting. This was only my second team meeting since I got promoted to Director of Product Management. Ever since the pandemic, my company has been more relaxed with people working from home. I still go into the office Tuesday through Thursday, but they wanted us to keep these Monday morning meetings to start the week as a team. I decided I could do a quick six-miler that morning if I started in the dark and planned to run a few miles in the evening if I could. Since I started earlier than usual, it was still really dark out. I was wearing my headlamp to make sure I didn't trip or run into anything out there. It was a surprisingly cool morning and I quickly got into the rhythm of my run and was kind of just zoning out, which I could do on this trail since I'd run it so many times. I was running up the first hill when I heard something, but I wear those bone conduction ones when I run so I can hear what's going on around me. It wasn't a loud sound, but it was definitely out of place in the woods. 
It was like a loud humming sound. At first, I thought there was something wrong with my headphones, but when I got to the top of the hill, I saw where the sound was coming from. I knew it was the sound source, but I didn't know what I was looking at. It was this glowing circle right there in the woods. I tried to think of a rational explanation for what I was seeing, and my first thought was that it was some kind of portal. I didn't even know what a portal was. Of course, I've seen them in movies, you know, like Doctor Strange and stuff. But here in the middle of the woods? Then I thought no one, especially my wife, will believe me if I don't have proof. I also wanted to have evidence for myself because I thought for sure I must have been dreaming or hallucinating or something. So I grabbed my phone and snapped a picture. Then I just stood there staring at this circle for I don't even know how long. I couldn't even tell what was on the other side. I realized that I needed to get on with my run. I looked at my watch and it was glitching, which is something my reliable Garmin had never done. It was blinking like it was losing its charge. I grabbed my cell phone and it was now completely dead. It had a full charge when I started, so that didn't seem right. Thank God I had the picture. No one would believe this. At least I hope I had captured it on photo. I knew I had to get going. I didn't want to get any closer to this thing, whatever it was. I was already too close, I thought, maybe six feet away. I didn't want to get sucked into another dimension or anything like that, which I know sounds crazy, but I was looking at this glowing circle in the woods, so I didn't know what to think. There was no way I was going to touch it, but I had to know what happened if something went through the circle. I took my water bottle and tossed it through. The bottle just vanished in thin air. The circle closed and it was gone. I looked at my watch and it was working fine. I grabbed my phone out of my pocket, but it was still dead. Okay, I just saw a portal in the woods. Maybe. Again, I wasn't even really sure what a portal was or why it would be there. I can tell you I ran fast back to my car. Not only because I didn't want to be late for my work meeting, but even more so because I couldn't wait to charge my phone and see the picture to prove what I had seen was real. When I got in my car, I remembered I had taken the charging cable out of my car when I was out the other night to use my battery pack, so I had to wait until I got home. As soon as I ran into the house, I immediately plugged in my phone. My wife made some comment about me being late. I started to tell her about what I had seen. She laughed and told me that I watched too much TV. I guess she realized I wasn't joking because she stopped laughing and said, what are you talking about? Finally, my phone powered on and I opened the photos. There it was. I showed her and she thought it was as weird as I did. I told her about the humming sound, but the weirdest part was the water bottle. I didn't have time to prep for the meeting but luckily it went pretty smoothly. My wife, who also works at home as a recruiter, must not have had a lot of work to do that day because she spent all day reading Reddit posts and researching portals. I think she was kind of jealous that she didn't get to see it, or maybe she just really didn't believe me and wanted to see it for herself. I decided to skip my run that evening and my wife and I went out to that same spot to see what we could find. As soon as we walked up the hill, I realized there was nothing there. Nothing at all. I don't mean there was nothing unusual there. I mean there was just nothing at all. 
Like all the grass, leaves, and roots, everything at that spot was burnt away. I've been back on that trail many times this summer and haven't seen this thing again, or really anything strange. I know my story isn't as crazy as some that you've heard, but to me, it was definitely something, something supernatural. I don't know if it really was a portal, and if it was, where it led. I know my water bottle disappeared right before my eyes, and I have the picture which proves at least to me that it was there. Maybe someone else has seen something similar or has more insight. I would love to hear from someone else who has seen something like this. Thanks, Donovan, and keep telling our stories. Hi, Donovan. This happened about 15 years ago at my first job right out of high school. I had to change some of the names and details of the story for obvious reasons. I got my first full-time job working at a state-run animal laboratory testing facility. I was told that mostly we were testing livestock and wildlife specimens. We were searching for communicable diseases which can wipe out a large animal stock or make humans sick from consumption. As an office assistant, I wasn't actually directly involved in any of the testing as I wasn't trained as a lab tech. So I was responsible for filing reports as we still used paper files back then. I answered the phones on the rare occasion it rang and also transported samples throughout the building. It wasn't a bad place to work and my job was pretty easy. Although it was sometimes kind of a boring place to work, the people who worked there were a pretty entertaining group. Even though this was a state facility, it certainly didn't have the feel of a government building. It was an old building with a small sign on the door. We all had to swipe our ID cards to get into the building. But other than that, there weren't any security measures in place. Sometimes the security system would be out of order and we would just prop the main door open with a brick or something. So like I said, it wasn't very secure. I had worked there for just a little over a year when things started to get kind of weird. We got an email on a Friday informing us that beginning on Monday, there would be some new security measures in place. These included the installation of metal detectors, personal cell phones were not allowed anywhere in the building, and everyone would be issued a new ID badge which would allow access only to areas of the building necessary for your job. And of course, common areas such as restrooms and break rooms we all had access to. Also, it said that under no circumstances were any doors to be propped open, and failure to follow these protocols would result in immediate termination. This all seemed a little extreme for a lab testing dead animals but I thought maybe it was just a change to all state government buildings to make everything more secure. Badge access would be required to enter and exit the building. It went on to say that in an emergency, such as a fire, the exits would open, which didn't really make sense to me. Why did we need to use our badge to exit the building? Again, looking back, this might have been a red flag that something weird was going on. But at the time, I just thought it would be annoying, but otherwise not that big of a deal. It was a week or two after the new security measures that I had a strange encounter with a coworker. At the time, it didn't really seem all that alarming, but later on, I would learn how alarming it really was. I came out of the bathroom door and almost got run over by Josh, one of the lab techs who worked in Lab 4, 
Lab 4 was the only part of the building that I had never seen, even before the new security was in place. I never had any specimens to be delivered to Lab 4, and I hardly ever saw any of the lab techs from that room throughout the day. I only knew Josh because we always seemed to arrive at work at the same time and park close to each other on most days, so we would end up walking into the building together. Josh wasn't much of a talker, so when I say I knew him, really, I just knew who he was. That day, Josh was sprinting down the hall when he almost leveled me. I said something like, wow, who's chasing you? And he replied with something like, you don't want to know. I always thought Josh was a little odd anyway, so I thought he was just trying to be dramatic or something. Josh never came back to work after that day. I asked around if anyone knew what had happened to him or where he went. No one seemed to know. It was really strange for someone just to quit or be fired and no one to ever talk about it. I didn't know how to contact Josh, and we weren't really friends, so I just assumed something set him off, or he either quit or got fired, and that's why I saw him running out of the building. I never saw someone run that fast, though, just to leave a job. It seemed more like he was running for his life or something, which now I assume he was, or at least thought he was. It wasn't until my own mistake at the lab that I realized why Josh was running away. I was pushing a cart with some specimens from the refrigerated intake room to lab 3. I was so tired after not sleeping well the night before, and I felt like I was walking in a daze. I walked up to lab 3, which I had done probably a hundred times when I realized that the door to lab 4 was open just a crack. Curiosity got the best of me, and I decided I needed to know what was in lab 4. I pushed on the door as slowly as I could, because I knew I was breaking protocol to look inside. I expected to see a typical lab with tables and machines like in the other three labs. This was nothing like the other labs. There were cages, giant cages reaching to the ceiling. They seemed to be electrified or glowing, I don't know. And inside the cages were some kind of living creatures. We didn't test live animals in this building, just samples from animals. I don't even know if these were animals. I don't know for sure how many there were, probably eight or ten of them. When I say they were terrifying, that doesn't begin to describe them. They were black, but not solid black color. It was more like a moving pattern on their skin, if it was skin. They were so tall, probably at least eight or nine feet tall. Maybe taller because they were all kind of bent or folded over themselves. They had projections like arms or legs, which were moving around and seemed to almost disappear at times before coming back into view. They were sort of squid or octopus-like, but seemed to have an almost human-like quality I can't describe. There was also this very loud, humming, high-pitched sound, which I think was coming from these creatures, but maybe not. I was still trying to take it all in when one of the closest to the door turned its head towards me. I immediately felt the most painful throbbing in my head. It wasn't a headache or even a migraine, and I was unfortunately very familiar with migraine pain. It was like a searing pain I can't even describe. I thought for sure my brain was coming out or being pulled out of my head and I was dying. In fact, for a moment I hoped I was dying so the pain would stop. The face of that creature, if you could call it a face, was pure evil. 
The eyes were only these narrow black slits. It opened what I assumed was its mouth, and something started to come out as if it were turning inside out. I couldn't breathe and I fell to the floor. A man who I had never seen before came running toward me and pushed me out of the way and slammed the door shut. An alarm sounded and a security guard immediately grabbed me and escorted me quite forcibly straight to my supervisor's office. My supervisor, who I will call Denise, didn't look at me. She just said, you are obviously terminated immediately. You may think you saw something out there and you may feel tempted to talk about it. I would not do that if I were you. I mean, not that there was anything out there. You are clearly not feeling well and seem very feverish and have been hallucinating. I will not mention your insubordination to future employers as long as I have no reason to do so. Now I will take your name badge and the guard will escort you to your car. I don't know how I drove home that day. When I got home, my mom asked me what was wrong. I didn't have the strength for a conversation about it, so I didn't tell her I was fired. I told her I wasn't feeling well and went straight to bed. I slept for well over 24 hours. My mom said she checked on me several times to make sure I was still breathing. When I finally woke up, I was so disoriented. At first, I thought it was all a dream. I couldn't wrap my head around what had happened. Since I didn't get to see any of my friends on the way out of work that day, I wanted to know what was going on. I called my two friends from work that day and several times over the next week. They never answered my calls and I eventually got voicemails from them separately. Their messages were so similar and it sounded almost like they were reading instead of just talking. Basically, they both said that they hoped I was feeling better, but it was probably for the best that we not hang out anymore since we didn't work together anymore, and they each asked me never to contact them again. It was so strange. We were friends, like not just at work. I was fired and lost two of my best friends, and I didn't know why. One night, several years after the incident, I couldn't sleep, which wasn't unusual for me after that day at the lab. I couldn't get Josh out of my mind. It took me a while to remember his last name. I thought maybe he was on Facebook or I could find an address for him if he still lived in the state. I finally found an address and realized he lived only 10 miles from me. I decided I would go see him that weekend. I just really wanted to talk to someone who might be able to give me some insight into what I had seen that day. Saturday morning, I started driving to his house. I almost turned around several times because I knew it was weird for me to show up at his house years later and we weren't even really friends when we worked together. But mostly, I think I didn't know if I wanted to know the truth about what was in that room. I finally decided that the worst thing that could happen would be Josh would slam the door in my face. When I got to his house, I rung the bell and waited. Finally, a woman opened the door. She looked like she was about Josh's age. Was Josh married? I introduced myself and I told her, I was looking for a guy I used to work with named Josh and thought this was his address. She looked surprised, then looked down, and she introduced herself as Amy, Josh's wife. She said, I'm sorry, Josh passed away almost a year ago. She told me to come inside that she'd love to talk about Josh and had never even met any of his work friends. I didn't tell her that we weren't exactly friends. I felt like Amy really wanted to talk, 
and I did want to find out about what happened to Josh, so I followed her inside. As soon as we sat down, she started asking me questions about Josh. I realized that she had a lot of unanswered questions, which I guess she thought I could answer. She said she didn't know why Josh had quit his job at the lab so suddenly. She said it was unlike him to do anything spontaneous. I asked her what he had said, and she told me that was what she didn't understand. Josh talked so much about everything else, but he would never talk about why he quit his job. She said he seemed to be more distant after he quit his job, and she was worried about him. Before that day, apparently, Josh was social and always the life of the party, or at least that's how Amy described him. I realized then that I really didn't know anything about Josh. She thought something bad must have happened at work, but he never told her a thing. She told me that Josh suddenly became interested in alien life forms. Did I know anything about Josh's interest in that? Of course not, as I didn't really even know Josh, but I told her that that was something that we talked about. She said he became almost obsessed. He joined online groups and was always chatting with others about alien encounters and abductions. He was even starting to write a book about aliens. She said it was so unlike him to be so interested in science fiction as he always made fun of people who believed in anything supernatural and that it seemed like he wasn't just interested but was also starting to believe it. She said she tried to be supportive in his new writing career, but it was hard because he was just becoming so different from the man she had married. I was feeling uncomfortable with how much she was sharing, since she obviously thought Josh and I were closer than we were. She went on to tell me that Josh was diagnosed with cancer within months of quitting his job at the lab. She said the doctors couldn't even really identify what kind of cancer it was. He had been to several top cancer centers, and no one, even the experts, could make a definitive diagnosis. She said his cancer initially responded to chemotherapy, and he was considered to be in remission for a little over a year when the cancer returned. This time, it had already ravaged his entire body, and he lived only a few weeks after it came back. This was a lot to take in. Then she asked me if I wanted to read the book he had started writing. I said sure, so she went to the bedroom to go get it. I realized then that my heart was racing and I thought I was about to have a panic attack. When she handed me the unfinished book, I did have that panic attack. Before I even read any words, I saw a picture of what he had drawn. She could see my panic and said, I know, it's unnerving, isn't it? It wasn't unnerving. It was terrifying and exactly what I had seen in those cages in the lab. I began reading the pages which he described in detail the creatures, which were not of this world. He then described how a man was taken in by the alien, not exactly abducted but enveloped within the creature itself. It then spit him out so to speak but the man continued to suffer with pain and hallucinations. I had to stop reading. I had to get out of there. I told her I wasn't feeling well. I apologized and thanked her as I rushed out the door. I didn't and still don't want to know anymore. In fact, I wish I had never gone there. I realized I didn't need more information. I wish I had never opened that lab door. I realized there was no answer that would make me feel better. No truth that would stop the nightmare. So that's where I left it. I have found that as much as I try to forget it, 
telling my story and Josh's story does help me in some strange way. I don't know any more about what is going on in that lab, and I was glad when my mom told me the lab was shut down and that old building was demolished. It was replaced by a luxury condo complex. I went to school for accounting. I moved out of state and I've been working in a very stable and unexciting accounting firm for the past eight years. I still have nightmares, but they are becoming less frequent. Thanks for listening and helping me to share my story.